Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Forktails a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by my friend Zach Anderson. He's brand partner at Seasoned, a system that we're going to dive into uh, here in a bit, but... Before we do, Zach, say hello, give a little bit of backstory on yourself. Thanks, Joseph. Hi, nice to meet everyone. My name is Zach Anderson. Uh, like Joseph mentioned, I'm a brand partner over at Seasoned. Uh, I've been in the restaurant space for about 15 years across a mix of both operations as well as on uh, the vendor and supplier side, uh, working in various capacities across uh, things like ad media to voice AI, uh, kiosk hardware. And uh, most recently, I've been uh, over here at Season working on our mission to help uh, bring the service industry together uh, by offering a community-based product for restaurant workers to engage each other and find great jobs. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to pry in. I'm, I'm kind of holding myself back because we will get to it. But I do want to talk about the uh, the big L word right now, which is the labor issues that we're challenged with in the industry. Um, from my point of view, it's kind of a long time coming. Um, anybody that thought we, you know, restaurants could continue to operate the, the way that they had for as long as they have, just really was blinding themselves in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm going to use the P word now. I'm getting sick of saying it. But since the pandemic, you know, the, the pandemic had this historic impact. I think it slingshotted all of us uh, past the laziness or apprehension and just forced us to change. And one big change is the labor market, not just the availability of people, but the people willingness to work, the work ethic and the passion for the industry that used to be there. Um and, and it's persisted. So it's not going away. The behaviors have successfully changed, I would say. So what do you think is leading this to be permanent? Um, and how do we start to chip away at rethinking the employee experience for restaurant brands? Certainly the, the recovery from where we were at from staffing hasn't hit to where we were. Um, we're still probably somewhere between, I think last time black box intelligence had some data around this two to 400,000 jobs short. Um, most recently of being where we at pre pandemic. Um, so like February of, of 2020, uh, yep. When folks got you know laid off and we were in this crunch of like, Hey, we just can't open dining rooms. It caused a lot of folks to reconsider the things that they want to be involved in um, and where they want to be working, where they might've said, Hey, I'm just going through the motions today. This is getting food on the table, but now I have this opportunity to go consider something else. Um, you have competition of all sorts of industries that are looking for hourly talent um, that provide different types of benefits than uh, what is frankly a really tough job to do, which is working within the four walls of the restaurant, high demand, high stress. Um, you know, you see it in TV shows like the, you know, they're covering like what the experiences of working in the, in the restaurant and it, folks are thinking, Hey, is this what I want to do long-term? And then they're making some decisions. So, uh, you have, you have gig economy or gig economy type of platforms out there, DoorDash, Uber, uh, you have Amazon factory work, you have, you know, UPS. I mean, all sorts of folks are trying to find ways to compete for this talent and they can do that in ways with diff with margins that are 
at a greater capacity so they can spend more to attract talent than restaurants can um, at the ground level. So it's providing kind of this perfect storm of like challenges that are there, which I think is slowing that recovery. Um, still, we're getting closer and closer and brands are getting smarter and smarter in terms of how they're attracting, retaining, getting people to show up. But um, I think the generally the understanding of, from a lot of workers is that there's, there's a lot of opportunity for me. I can choose a lot of different directions that I want to go. What's going to entice me to want to make that decision to take this really challenging job inside the restaurant um, versus some of the other areas where I might have complete flexibility to do things that I want to uh, make my own hours working as a gig economy worker or something like that. So uh, a lot of questions, I think, up in the air that add to where we're at. Yeah, I think a lot of... um leaders in the industry, uh, it's, it's starting to, uh, decline though. Uh, but at first it was like, Oh, we just need to pay them more. Um, but you, you started tapping into some of those other variables, which is where am I going with my career? Uh, when I, when I enter into the restaurant workforce and, and the heft of the job, I mean, it is not easy work. You're on your feet, you're going. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of restaurants for good reason live by, um, you know, the, the old school adage of, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. So it's just, there's no stopping. Um, how, how can restaurant brands overcome some of the perceptual barriers? Uh, but also I think communicate better that there is a path forward. There is a career here that can be, uh, not only lucrative financially speaking, but, um, emotionally, culturally, um, and, and, uh, all all the components. Sure. I think that the story just needs to shift a little bit, right? So how you present the job, um, you know, I think if you look at kind of the stigmas around restaurant work, like there's, it's, it's hard work. It's hard to grow. Um, feel like you're just doing this, this role, uh, those types of pieces. But if you look at the actual things that you gain from working inside of a restaurant, there's incredibly attractive qualities that come from that. My first job was as a team member at at KFC. And then I worked in, uh, various pizza QSR type of concepts. I worked in fine dining as a busser. Um, I look back at those formative skills that I built from teamwork, tenacity, uh, customer service, all those types of things that you have to have, uh, critical thinking, like moving quickly, you know, finding a way to, you know, spin a positive out of something that's really challenging or negative. Those types of things that you pick up, those soft skills are essential to what you can take into any capacity. Um, and, what we don't seem to be talking about um, much in the industry that I see as today is the skills that you build in a restaurant are going to help you in career wherever it goes, whether it's within the industry, within restaurants, whether it's you go somewhere else, you're just not going to get the same thing, you know, working as a retail worker at a footlocker, waiting for people to come in and buy shoes from you. Like you're not going to get that type of experience. So, um, that area of like attacking the stigma of like, Hey, here's where we're going to help you grow as a person is a huge area that, um, we can see this develop. Um, I think you start to see that more and more with, with, with many brands as they're starting to shift the focus from, uh, how they think about the, like their HR front. So, um, brands like inspire brands or first watch restaurants, um, they've shifted the playbook on terms of how they look at talking about a career within their, their industries there with, um, by a focus of 
more of kind of a servant leadership type of mindset. Instead of like, you work for us, it's, hey, we work for you. We're a you organization. We want to help you to develop. Um, and I think that shift is, is really impactful um, outside of other things like the types of benefits or the things that they're doing to meet people in the marketplace uh, for what people actually care about as they come into work in those restaurants. So that type of shift, I think, is essential to get away from this, you know, I guess you call this kind of old school mindset of like, hey, we just need you to come in. You're going to work hard. You're going to do this. These are your times, all that sort of thing. The, the flexibility and the the leaning into the family aspect, I think, is, is really cr- crucial for how we see this develop over time. Yeah, I like the way uh, you put that initially as well. Um, I hesitate to make this correlation because I, maybe I should uh, disclaimer it that I have the utmost top respect for our service people as it pertains to the armed forces of this nation and uh, and then the guts and the sacrifice and all of that. That out of the way, there's a lot of correlation there. I mean, you're on the front, quote unquote, front lines. Um, you're working together. You're, like you said, you're finding that teamwork. You're finding ways to work with people who maybe have completely different personalities than you do because it is one, tre- one team, one dream. And you're right. That does become applicable after after your tour of duty in the restaurant industry, if you choose to move on. Um, But like the armed services, this industry has so much upward mobility uh, potential for those who fall in love with it and find passion in it. I mean, going from busser and timeout, can we talk about how soul sucking that is, by the way? (laughs) I was a busser for six months. And uh, whenever I'm having a bad day, I think to this day, I still am like, eh, at least I'm not busting tables. <laughs> right. And it, and it was at a diner, by the way. So it yeah. wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't even a good one. In fine dining, I referred to myself as a crummer because I walked around with my crumb uh, and I crumbed the crumb the tables. So I felt like I was doing more of that than than uh, you know, busing and refilling waters and you know, clearing yeah. tables and such. <laughs> yeah, if I never have to clear a plate of like dippy eggs again, uh it'll be too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, that I think especially when we look at these larger brands, there is so much more upward mobility. I mean, we've worked with brands here at Vigor um, who started to realize that some of these folks who are the hardest workers become some of the most fantastic franchisees. And so they've found ways to um, essentially bankroll their foray out of the workforce into franchisee and owning their own franchises uh, within the brand. I think it's brilliant. Um which brands in your experience do you think have really started to ace and figure out this formula of attracting solid talent and the other layer retaining them? Uh, I mean, a couple that come to mind. I mean, certainly ones like Starbucks and Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, probably uh, probably the most notoriety of, of doing a great job of attracting talent, uh, the benefits that they put out there, the mobility pieces you think from, from moving up within the organization. Um, the yeah the the unique franchise as model that Chick Fil A has of you know creating great ownership within the restaurant and having these folks want to be facing to their to both their guests and their employees um, you know that level of care and attention I think is a big piece that helps to both attract people um, as well as having you know, a great offering that people are going to drive demand and keep the restaurant busy all the time and people coming back for that. Um, some of those things make a big difference. Um, what they layer in from from benefits uh, certainly adds into that as well. Um, you know, the Starbucks has you know had benefits in place for a long time that have been attractive to people, to even people that will leave their careers and and you know retire and come back and say, you know, this is a, I can get great health insurance working as a barista at, at Starbucks and and doing things like that. So um, 
some of those pieces, I think, have been on the forefront, whereas historically other brands might have taken some time to get there. Um, the more centralized ownership has some greater capacity for that 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 larger, um, you know, overarching HR theme. Whereas you look into the the franchise concepts, much of that falls onto the the individual ownership at the franchise level to determine kind of what those are. Um, and they're oftentimes a smaller entity, so they have you know greater struggles of trying to figure out, hey, what does that mix look like to to attract the people locally to the markets that we service. Um, so. Yeah, I think, yeah, m- many of these, it's, it's really about finding those pieces, creating a great work environment, um, leaning to this family aspect of what you're going to experience in the restaurant and providing great benefits that are attractive to what people care about today um, are really some of the key pieces. Yeah. So in your experiences, have you seen uh, franchisors do a good job of equipping the franchise groups with the ability to... Um, uh, create a better employee experience, or is that still considered uh, almost like the Berlin Wall because of the the, the pendulum of who own you know uh, legally speaking of who owns these employees and who doesn't? Like, are, are brands still a little hands off with that because of that? Um, certainly, yeah. Joint employer laws across states and that sort of thing. Um, there, there does sin- tend to be, generally speaking, a uh, you know a separation between you know what's going to be people focused components of operations, be it you know, straight, straight up hiring through to uh, the types of benefits packages and those sort of things. So those are still left wholly up to franchisees to determine. Um, strong brands that have built a great support mechanism for their franchise network um, will typically be uh, really forward in the types of recommendations or the groups that they partner with and uh, to suggest things that they should do to optimize for it. And then they'll test really well within company-owned stores and markets to say, hey, here's what's been really successful to us, and then communicate those out uh, to the franchisees that are within their system from there. Um, so helping with that vetting process, I think, is definitely something that's instrumental um, to lean into those those value pieces to help the franchisees be very successful in their business, too. Yeah, it's great. And, and so you mentioned Starbucks before um, for good reasons. But what's interesting to me about Starbucks is I think for how much good they do in this world, man, they get a lot of flack. Um, <laughs> and, and and the biggest piece of flack that I think they get um, is the, the threats of unionization and, and things like that. So it's like they're already doing a lot more for their for their employees than a lot of other restaurants brands do, but it's not enough um, in, in the eyes of some groups of employees. And so, um, how, how are you seeing brands, uh, are you having those discussions with brands about unionization, what that could mean? How do you, uh, God, I hate to say stave it off, but kind of want to, um, you know, we see what happens to union shops and, uh, across the nation and it's not necessarily a good thing, um, for the consumer. And then I think if you really start to scrutinize it, um, it becomes more of a benefit to the union itself. And my uncle's going to hate me if he listens to this because he is a Teamsters organizer. So, but him and I do not see eye to eye on unions. So uh, it shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Typically, any sort of additional layers that you're adding into these industries ultimately lead to drive up cost in some, some respects. Um, no matter where you pass the cost, forward, be it uh, California instituting a you know $22 minimum wage for, for fast food work um, or something like that. The, the, the rippling effect is it ultimately hits the consumer. So in order to stay in business, which has to be profitable in order to do so, um, you're ultimately going to find yourself in a position where you have to raise prices, um, potentially to the detriment of the business where consumers will no longer come and pay for that product if you have to raise it too high in order to just fund operations. Um, 
I would say the we're in the early stages, it seems, around the conversations around unionization. You have handfuls of stores within uh, Starbucks whose the spotlights on them is the second largest uh, operator in the in the country. So that's I think why there's a lot more eyeballs on, onto them and the specific effort that's taking place. Um, I think it's too soon to say. I don't hear too much of folks whispering around, hey, what are we going to do or how are we going to handle this, um, at least from uh, specifically around you know, the conversations that uh, we hear from many brands today. Um, it's more of, hey, let's take a wait and see cautious approach to what um, is, is taking place from there. Hopefully it's not something, uh, obviously, from uh, either a franchise or a company-owned entity that they ideally want to see because of the added complexity and the down effects it could potentially have on the business. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to play out over time um, to understand, hey, how's this going to affect the industry as a whole? Yeah, that's a good response and some good insights too. Um, I think, you know, when you start to look at headlines, obviously it seems bigger than it, than it may actually be. But, um, you know, there, there's all these economic forces happening. And I think the the unionization of things, the desire for increased minimum wage, it really starts to sound great when ec- economies are strong and flying high. But we are in a position now, um, arguably measurably in this throw of high inflation uh, threat, if not already in recession. We know that people's credit card um, balances are higher than they've ever been and that their savings are dwindling. I, I know I sound like a, a, a rain cloud right now. Um, and But what I'm getting at is, do you think all those things start to, uh, I hate to say bode well, but bode well for folks coming back to the workforce with restaurants? Um, you know, may- maybe those side gigs or those passionate hustles aren't paying out and the, they're starting to see the bottom of the bank account. Maybe it's time to come back. Do you, do you see any kind of uh, indications that that could be happening? Yeah, a decade plus bull run of, of the market and uh, incredibly cheap financing. Um, led to a spur of massive growth um, across all sorts of industries. Um, massive investments in you know technology and that sort of thing that is attractive for folks to, to jump over to. Um, all of a sudden, you have a, a somewhat of a riding of the ship as interest rates go up. That means that the the debt findings come debt financing coming from uh, that it's being utilized by the venture capitalists and everybody else is putting money in. Uh, they're starting to panic. You have uh, heavy investment in you know but you call meme stocks within crypto and that sort of thing that starts to negatively affect those groups and they start going bankrupt. And all of a sudden a big panic happens across the larger tech space um, where a focus on burn as much cash as possible shifts to tighten up and operate as efficiently as possible. And then because of that, uh, you get these pressures that say you need to reduce headcount. And then we have all these layoffs that are happening um, across these, these different organizations that are out there. Um, So, that does flood the market all of a sudden with new talent that may be reconsidering and could potentially be going back into um, restaurants and staffing up and helping to provide some more experienced talent than what's uh, been there for probably the last uh, year and a half. Um, what we've seen from uh, on, on the season side, from at least from what has been comprising the workers that are in the space, they're, they're younger and less experienced than they've been in the past. I mean, most folks are just kind of aging into the industry is how we've been helping to backfill um, a lot of these positions because of so many people that left. So you're looking at 50% that are under the age of 23 um, 
industry has always skewed younger for the for the frontline workers, but but more so now than it has historically. And many of them have less than two years work experience anywhere. So there's a lot of training people into the jobs, um, which also may not necessarily be a bad thing, right? So you have a lot of folks where what you're hiring for is, is attitude and reliability, right? And coachability. So if you, you can teach anybody to do the job within the restaurant, but um, having those attributes of, hey, you want to be here, you want to learn how to get better, and um, and you're going to have a great attitude, and you're going to positively impact, impact the restaurant, we can teach anybody to be great at the job. So that's what we've been working with. But now we may start to see some folks come back as they've gone and you know maybe gone through a while layoff round or two in the uh, either the technology or just kind of the enterprise space outside of the restaurant and be like, you know, this is more attractive for me to go back to. I did like working in this industry. I have great mobility. There was stability in the place that I was working at. Um, so we may start to see more of those folks come back as well. Yeah, it's good to know. And, and as they come back, um, you know, what better place to start that journey than with Seasoned, right? So I think it's a good <laughs> segue to talk about what is Seasoned, um, what are you guys doing, what what led to the creation of it, and um, what's getting you, uh, Zach, specifically very excited about the platform? Sure. So Seasoned's mission is to bring the service industry together uh, to succeed and work in life. Um, our goal is to empower every hourly professional to achieve financial security, uh, health and happiness in life and, and, and the, uh, impact the industries and societies that they're, that they're in. Um, the main focus point of what drove this mission was the fact that there isn't a community aspect to this 13 million plus, uh, workers in the U S for them to go where they can really engage with each other one on uh, one-on-one and really look at what this industry is, which is a family in a lot of respects. So the, when you look at kind of where people can go today for professionals, they can go to things like LinkedIn to go find jobs or talk about their workplace, uh, for just broader social community. You have, you know, all sorts of different channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, where they can go talk about their personal side of things. But for restaurant employees, there isn't anything, none of those really touch what they needed specifically. Um, and additionally, there's kind of numbers of, uh, a number of issues that would come up with, you know, how they can engage. It's uh, hiring is essentially a two-sided problem, um, which I don't think is a secret to most for the, uh, for the hourly professional that wants to go find a job. It's kind of hard to figure out where to go. Um, when you go to look for jobs, it's like, okay, what used to be uh, taking that on the paper and putting a help wanted sign in the window is now then moved over to these aggregated job boards where you have all sorts of different jobs, on essentially what looks like a web.o layout onto the, the site that you click through and you go apply to all these different things. It's, it's not a great easy way to figure it out other than just maybe walking into the doors around what's the right process to engage. Occasionally, um, they need to find oftentimes places that are close to where they live. Uh, transportation can be a challenge for many folks. So finding someplace that's open and hiring at a wage and a rate that they can align with is, is challenging. Beyond that, there's also things like what you know, asking questions and finding out information from the community, there hasn't been a great resource for them to go do that. So we strove to build a platform that would help them to be able to do that. So uh, Seasoned is a community-based platform for any restaurant worker that wants to go can sign up for a free account to go engage with uh, people within the community. Uh, you can think of it kind of like a, the LinkedIn for hourly restaurant workers. Um, so they hop on, there's a feed of questions they can ask from community members, like what type of non-slip shoes should I uh, wear to my first day of work? Or, hey, here's an issue. I ran into my manager. How would you handle this? And other folks within the restaurant community can can lean in and help weigh in. And we see the hundreds of responses to these questions that folks will ask. Um, Additionally, we have a 
area where they can go search for jobs, typically locally to them um, that have posted their uh, positions onto Seasoned. Um, and they'll sort through and quickly and easily um, be able to schedule an interview, which is really the key piece. Um, right now, the one of the hardest parts for, for restaurants on both sides of it is just getting people in the door to have a conversation um, with them. It's right. the, you fill out something online and then you're calling and texting and emailing, you know, sometimes 16 year olds that don't have, you know, when, how many 16 year olds really have an email address outside of what school gave them. Right. So it's, it's really hard to figure out how to get in touch with them. Um, so moving this into our app environment is something they're used to and they're comfortable with because they've had, you know, the phone in their pocket. So they find that job, they can give a little bit of information about themselves, their availability to work, and then they'll select a specific time they'd like to come in to speak with somebody. Um, and those times are selected or given to them by the operators for what they can select. All the operators have to do is accept the time to come into them. And then we help remind these folks to get them in the door. So we make it very easy and, and low lift um, from saying, hey, I've got this community that I trust and I feel like I know these workers are on here. Now I can go find restaurants that want to be a part of this. And I can easily figure out a time that I can go talk to them about this role that I might be interested in taking from here. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, all, all the components really start to culminate into a fantastic experience with enough stickiness to keep them engaged. Now, when, when you get to the listings themselves, are, are these listings, unfortunately, maybe exclusive to larger brands or are they very approachable for local brands too? like take the local mom and pop shop that's looking for a new busser because uh, Joseph didn't want to do it anymore? Um, is, is this something where you aggregate them from other services and bring them on or how, how does that work necessarily? Sure. Um, any restaurant can come on. So we are industry exclusive. So uh, you're not going to find retail uh, jobs going on there. So again, our focus is working on just servicing this community of restaurant professionals that want to find opportunities within restaurants. Um, any business can go on and go uh, create um, their 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 own page and write out their own descriptions and set things up on their end. Uh, we focus much of our efforts in terms of the, the groups that we work with uh, and more of our uh, uh, kind of go-to-market capacity and working with uh, with <clears throat> larger restaurant concepts is, is where most of our focus sets from there. But any restaurant can go on and go post those jobs um, and you know lean into any of our premium services to, for exposure and that sort of thing from there. Yeah, I love that. And then um, how about ratings of employers? Um, I know that's something that you see in other industries. We have it in the advertising and, and design creative industry. It's called um, Fishbowl actually just launched. Uh, it's a new one. And then there's the course. Uh, I keep on thinking next door, but it's not that. Um, uh, that's going to kill me. Anyway, where you can go on, you can actually see reviews about the employers. What was it like from firsthand employees? Uh, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. So are there features like that for maybe the larger employers? Um, not today in terms of like actual rating their experience of working there. Um, I think there, you know, there is potentially a, a world where we could get into that, but, uh, sure. not currently like in our, in our near-term focus, um, that can be challenging for, for some folks, right? For uh, something community may want for their pieces, but we have to also determine, Hey, what's the best mix of that for, sure. um, for, for the brands as well and how we get that exposure. Um, but there are things that we do collect to, to help, uh, the restaurants as well. So we, we use it kind of a two sided feedback mechanism, um, for folks when they go and have their interview after an hour after their interview, we actually prompt them to tell us how it went from the candidate side. So they can tell us, Hey, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, we uncover things like, Hey, I showed up to my interview and nobody was available to talk to me. I sat there for 20 minutes. Uh, no one came over. They were too busy or, um, you know, the manager wasn't in there today or, you know, try and find out these pieces to 
help close that loop of, hey, maybe there's some coaching opportunity that the above restaurant leaders can bring down to their operators. Like, hey, maybe we need to get more people trained on this, or maybe there's uh, some availability pieces, or we need to shift somebody from another store during this day to go help you out so you can help hire into these pieces. So there's uh, that side of it as well as, you know, we get feedback from candidates as to, hey, why did you maybe no show for that? for the interview that you came in. You booked this with them. You confirmed you're going to show up. What caused you to not be able to come in? Um, a lot of times it's things around transportation-related concerns or other things that come, came up. Um, so we can understand, like, hey, was this because you don't want to work here or you changed your mind about this? Or is there something else that we can understand? So we can better inform folks, like, hey, what is what is this space and what can we anticipate from uh, what workers are, are wanting and what they're needing today? Yeah, I love all of that, um, especially the training up uh, of the people who are doing the interviews, um, as well as finding out what you just said. I mean, sometimes it is transportation. Sometimes it's, oh, I actually accepted another job and they just forgot to cancel this. It's just those insights, I think, help so much uh, for both parties, all parties involved. Um, so what, what's the future hold, in your opinion? What's the future hold for the industry attracting, attracting better talent, retaining the talent? Um, are there cha- more challenges coming down the pike, in your opinion? Or is is it looking like we're coming into uh, the promised land? Uh, I would say there's definitely some – some of the overarching themes I'm seeing in hiring in general is uh, – a lot more predictability and, and and smarter allocation of how we tackle um, this problem. So on the technology front, there's uh, investments being made by uh, various restaurants and brands to make the job better for the employees that are in there, taking away some of the the you know, the tasks that are challenging and repetitive that they have to do. Um, you invest in technology to help automate some of those things away. So that becomes more attractive to make the job uh, more exciting. Uh, potentially, it can be a piece where it saves on headcount that you have to have by having some of these tasks be automated on your, on your behalf within the restaurant. I mean, I remember my, my first, one of my first pizza jobs, I was a phone answerer. That's what I did. I picked up the phone and I took the order, um, with things like voice AI helping to take orders on behalf of restaurants today that essentially can eliminate much of the need for, um, having somebody there to answer the phone. So things to help with that, piece of the job to help in, improve um, the experience for employees is, is one area that they're leaning into. Um, additionally, brands are starting to think more, you know, historically it's been an kind of at will need, right? You used to have a stack of applications in the back room and somebody got like, Oh, the busser job I got in fine dining. Like I was the next name on the stack. They told me, so I filled it out over the summer and they came in in September and they're like, Hey, we got an open position. Looks like you had some experience. Let's talk to you about this. And then I ended up getting the job. That went away. That application stack just like dwindled over time. Then there was nothing. So then it's kind of guesswork. Like, hey, we're in desperation mode to figure out how do we do this. I say, go spend on these job boards. I think that makes sense. Uh, well, they start to go spend on these places where they're competing against other businesses outside of restaurants that have bigger budgets and higher, better, you know, higher margins that they can operate and spend into. And then you're looking at essentially a bottomless pit of cash that you can put into this. So that they've had to reel in once you start to get to like. $650 in cost per hires just to get somebody in the door to start on day one. Um, so they're starting to think about, hey, how do we find the most effective mechanism? What areas have we tested that seem to be a good fit for us? And then let's start to think about our seasonal needs, right? So we have you know, various times of the year where there's a slowdown and there's various times where we need to hire up. So really starting to get more predictive around how are we going to actually tackle this problem when it's just been kind of an at will and as needed type of component. Uh, previously. So, you know, a lot of things are in play. Uh, restaurant brands are, they think quickly, they act quickly, they're super creative. Um, but 
And I think we're seeing much of the fruits of that over the last couple of years start to play into really smart decisions on how they tackle this. Yeah, man, I, I love it. So it seems like sky's the limit right now is seasoned. Um, I'm excited to see how it continues to grow. Um, this may be the hardest question I ask you today. Uh, if you had one final meal, what would you eat? Where would you eat it and why? <laughs> I had something holstered for every every question I feel like that you had. This one, this one's a little tough. Uh, this goes in so many directions. Um, I, how about my favorite meal I ever had? I would definitely go back and have it again. Um, I visited Japan in 2015, and I was fortunate enough to go to Sushi Bar Yasuda. Uh, Yasuda is a master sushi maker. He's friends with Anthony Bourdain. I think he's in one of his episodes there. So mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to be able to get a table and experience uh, a full omakase dining experience at his restaurant. Um, Jaw-droppingly incredible um, beyond any other type of dining experience I've had. And so personal and casual and, and entertaining, I would, I would definitely go and do that one more time if I had the opportunity. I love it, man. That's a great one. Hey, thanks for sharing all of your insights, the things that you're seeing. Um, thanks for sharing a little bit about Seasoned. How can people uh, get in touch with you and connect with Seasoned? Uh, sure. Seasoned's website is seasoned.co. So it's .co. Um, anyone can go on there. You can also find our apps, both our recruit app, which is used to um, for, for operators to find information, or they can certainly, and anyone can download the Season Community app to get involved in the conversations that are having there, um, or head over to our website to get more information. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Zach Anderson's my name. So I've, I've actually got the Zach-Anderson. I got locked in for uh, for the, the name nice. of the convention on there. So uh, folks can go find me there. Happy to connect and have conversations with me about what, what's happening with staffing in the industry. Fantastic. Hey, thanks for being so liberal with your time. And uh, again, all, all the insights are so fantastic, especially with this major challenge that we continue to grapple with in the industry. Um, we'll hopefully see you real soon. Maybe catch you at one of these upcoming uh, trade shows. Absolutely. Thanks, Joseph. Take care. If you love what we've served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.